of the Getting Into Good Trouble podcast, where we talk about the struggles to teach you the trouble. I'm your host, Jacob Moran, and I'm here with McKinley Tan. Hello, I'm your co-host, McKinley Tan. Each week, we find a new active global conflict to break down. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Million Man March that's happening in Sudan. All right, so before we dive into this global conflict, let's get a little historical context. On April 11th, 2019, the Sudanese coup d'etat took place. General Abdul Farah led it. He aimed to overthrow former President Omar al-Bashir, and he succeeded. The general declared a state of emergency and dissolved a landmark transitional government established in 2019. He founded the Transitional Military Council, which allowed the people no say in government actions, which obviously didn't sit well. A landmark transitional government is a system of law and leadership implemented during a change from one type of government to another. After the military took over, the Sudanese citizens were extremely unhappy with their rule as it had become a dictator-run country, which was not what they expected. The military brutally murdered and injured many citizens on their way to power. However, the citizens were unhappy even before the military came into force. Sudanese citizens protested against the former president for causing the country's 70% inflation rate. So it was originally thought that after the military took over, they would return the power back to the civilians. But that's not what happened. Instead, the military kept the power all to themselves, and they continued to murder civilians participating in the anti-coup protests. It was reported that citizens were brutally killed with poison gas, rape, strangling, and shooting before and after the military came into power. Now, many citizens are fleeing to nearby countries to take refuge from the disastrous actions in Sudan. This has become a crisis as over 2.3 million citizens have fled to neighboring countries and over 1.87 million citizens are internally displaced throughout South Sudan. Most of these citizens live in nearby countries like Ethiopia, Uganda, Kenya, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Many fleeing are women and children trying not to engage the military. Unfortunately, refugees continue to flee from Sudan, citizens continue to be killed, and protests endure through the military's reign. All right, everyone, now I'm going to pass the mic over to Will, where he's going to begin our trivia game. Uh, This is a new segment that we've added this season. Uh, Will will be hosting this episode and asking our contestants questions related to the conflict we've been conferring. Answering the questions, we have HR, Maya, and Audrey. Here's the first question. Where are most of the Sudanese refugees fleeing to? Um, It would have to be a country close, so maybe Ethiopia? Yep, that's correct. Now on to the second question. What is the cause of the current Million Man March? Um, I know this. Didn't it start with a military coup taking over Sudan while they were trying to create a democratic rule? Yes, Maya, you're correct. On to the third question. Who is leading the current Million Man March? Oh, I know, the citizens of Sudan. Great job. And here is our final question. Where did the first ever Million Man March take place? Um, I don't know. If this isn't the first Million Man March, then did the first one take place in Pakistan? I'm so sorry, but that's incorrect. Thank you all for competing, and now let's go over what you missed. So the first ever Million Man March took place in Washington, D.C., 1995. It was the unity of African Americans against the economic and social issues in America. The current Million Man March is the unity of the Sudanese people against the push of their military to become dictators. The people in Sudan want a civilian-run government. 
All right, that's pretty interesting, Dustin. Now, I wonder what their definition of a civilian-run government is. I think a civilian-run government is a government that's created purely from the citizens of the certain region that they're in. So not like a monarchy that's um, that's like a family, if that makes sense. Like yeah, it's passed down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I wonder if by civilian-run government, they don't necessarily want to have it run completely by them, but they just ha- want to have it run by anyone but the current military. Yeah, because all the military and stuff, they're really struggling. And uh, I think anything but him is just going to be... In the, just going to be better. Yeah, yeah. anything but yeah. them in the military is going to be better. I mean, I agree too. I feel like it would be similar where, uh, like, instead of having someone choose, like, make all the decisions for him, you know, maybe there's not civilians actually running it, but they're going to make decisions and, like, they're going to talk to it as a community. Yeah. So yeah. more like a democracy. Yeah, definitely yeah, more for like sure. a democracy. So the Sudanese civilians definitely are trying to accomplish a civilian-run government. Yes, for sure. All right, I think now would be a great time to get um, Megan, our global affairs expert, on and see what she has to say. Um, Like, why do you think the citizens don't want democracy, but they want a civilian-run government? So I I don't look at it in terms of they don't want democracy. Um, I think contextually... Sudan has a deep history of corruption, of violence, of government-run corruption specifically. Um, like the uh, al-Bashir was the first head of state to get indicted by the International Criminal Court for mass killing and rape and pillage against his own people. Um, and then they were also colonized until like 65 or something. So they have a very deep history of mistrust for the government. And so it's less of, I don't see it as they don't want democracy. I see it as they don't trust officials anymore, especially military officials. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, I feel really bad for the Sudanese people. They have a long history of government corruption. Like what Megan said, like it started with the president and it started even before the president. And now it's the military. It really is a tough spot, you know, because if you've been doing with stuff like that for so long, I bet it's pretty hard to get out of especially with so much switching and stuff like that. So it's really great that they're starting their protests. So talking about the past, what do we think the future is for the Sudanese civilians? Well, currently, since it's about a year defying the anti-coup protests, they're getting really intense right now with tons of civilians storming the streets. I definitely think the Sudanese civilians have made a lot of progress because um, the UN or United Nations have tried mediation offers with um, the Transitional Military Council who is running Sudan right now. So that definitely means that like what they're doing is being heard from people other than su- people oh, other than like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also like other places like the World Bank and a lot of other countries, they're also taking back their aid for the military or the government right now, which I think is also helping the citizens. I think it's also great, you know, how the Sudanese people, they're getting protests in other places, you know? So instead of just having it just in Sudan, like they get it everywhere across the world. And I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's for sure really helping bring attention to it, being that it's in other countries. Mm -hmm. But what does this mean for like the refugees? Do you think they're gonna come back? I don't, I think once we start seeing progress, maybe, in Sudan, then the focus will go more to the outside countries. Yeah, they're not going to come back with all the military violence still being an act. You know, they're, it's, they're not coming back for that. I think it also depends on how long it's going to take for 
the military to move out from the government because if it takes a really long time, these people are getting settled in nearby countries so that they might stay there instead of coming back to Sudan. Yeah. If they do end up settling it, then it's going to take a while for like everything to, for the country to become stable instead of just, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I wonder, do we think people from outside of Sudan are going to come into Sudan once it's returned back to normal? I mean, I don't really think it would be returned back to normal, but once they sort of fix it, I could see a lot of people going to Sudan, you know? If they have a really good government, it's a great place to live. Yeah, it'll definitely become some sort of new normal, whatever that means for them. And maybe once Sudan starts fixing their government, we could get other countries to start fixing theirs too, and it can really start something. Yeah, that's great. Um, So Audrey, you mentioned before how the aid was hurting the government. Uh, You want to circle back on that? Yeah, so um, a lot of places are taking away their aid from the government, which, as I said before, is good because, you know, the government are receiving less help. But ultimately, it's ending up to be bad for the citizens because the military and government still run Sudan. And so it's really only hurting them. I mean, when you really think about it, you know, sure, it's also hurting the government a little bit. But they also probably have the funds to support themselves, so it's also taking a lot away from the people of Sudan. And I think it's really like a, like a double-edged sword there, you know? You, you, help, you stop supporting the government, but you also stop supporting the people there, too. Yeah. For sure. I agree. So obviously there's still more going on, and if you're interested, you should keep up with it. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in this time. We'll see you guys next time.